0: Twenty One CL Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Educational Vanguard. I'm your host, Michael Boll. Times are interesting now, and a lot of us are in a virtual situation, and, you know, that makes it a little bit easier, maybe, with flexibility when it comes to scheduling some podcasts. So, we're going to keep on podcasting here at 21CL Radio, and hope you enjoy listening. When you hear the idea of a self directed democratic school, you might wonder if that means the students will vote for ice cream every day. Or at least that's what I thought. Or more likely, you have a more mature viewpoint than I and are curious how a school can be democratic in its educational mission and still deliver a strong learning environment. Casey Clausen is a co founder of Open School based in Southern California. At Open School, self directed learning is expected and democratic decision making is the norm. She explains how this concept works and what types of students, teachers, and by the way, she does not call them teachers, and parents learn in this type of environment. Enjoy the conversation. Cassie Clausen, thanks so much for joining me on the program today.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's nice to talk to you during our interesting times. I I think we were talking before the show you mentioned your school closed as of today mine's been closed about a week and a half. Yeah, we're going to still talk about all the great things you guys are doing at open school. How does how does that sound?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's almost like a memory at this point. I'm <laughs> trying to remember what what do we do every day cuz everything is so abnormal right now. But yeah, I'm happy to talk about it.
0: It is, it is nutty how how fluid it all is. Well, let's just start with the the elevator pitch then, so people listening can get a a grasp of what you guys are doing. What is your 30-second or so elevator pitch of how open school works?
1: Sure. So, the open school is a self-directed democratic school K through 12. It's an age-mixed community that is run democratically with staff and students together, and the kids direct their day. They decide what they do with their time and um, what they pursue and who they hang out with, and all of that. And, they, and we really run there, democratically.
0: Yeah, tell me about that. So that's, I haven't seen that phrasing before, democratically directed. What does that mean? Do, do, I, I have these visions where everybody gets in the room and votes. It's like it's a primary or something. Yeah, that, Am I right? There's
1: a there's a lot of voting, yeah. So it's, it's a... Um, Rather than having a hierarchical structure where there's a head of school or someone who's making sort of the the administrative decisions for the school, our head of school is the school meeting, and the school meeting is made up of staff and students together, and everyone has the same vote in our school meeting. so we uh-huh. we have both the the body that's called school meeting and the the actual meeting itself, which is one one uh, day a week that we get together. And we run it with Robert's Rules of Order. It's very orderly. They discuss and vote on anything to do with running the school, like uh, what rules we have, um, what field trips we go on, even hiring, like who we hire. Um, all of those kinds of decisions are discussed and voted on by the school meeting. So that's how the democracy works. And then, and then we also have like committees and, and different uh, roles that you can be elected to to run a particular part of the school, but those are all elected positions. You don't just get it because you're an adult. You have to. You have to be elected to it.
0: Okay, so I can imagine a little bit of the fear in people's minds right now that you could have this meeting and this, one student's going to raise their hand using Robert's Rules of Order and I motion that we have ice cream every day, all the time, and then the vote mm-hmm. happens. Does, is that a realistic fear? So, Am I just being silly?
1: Um, so there's a lot of there's there's a lot of first of all. There's a lot of discussion and and ways that things work. So first of all, we do have two readings for any substantive motion. So that means that you're gonna make the motion on you know week one, and then the second week is when we actually vote on it. So you have a little bit that of time. That is smart.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Um, you also can't. So there's an open agenda period, but anything that gets put on open agenda cannot be voted on immediately. It has to have a it has to have a second reading. Because we have had a time in the past where you could put something on the open agenda. So it wasn't written on the agenda. Nobody knew that it was going to be a motion. Um, And then it was put on open agenda and voted on. And people were, you know, trying to get things through like that, like to pull one over on on the community. Mm -hmm. And so there's been structures put in place, like the second readings. Um, There's, uh, you have to be present for the entire discussion in order to vote so if you don't care enough to be part of the discussion, you can't vote on that particular motion. Ah.
0: Um,
1: but we, you know, we have had what's interesting is um, the things like, look, if someone wants to have ice cream every single day, then they have to figure out well, who's paying for that. What budget is that coming out of? They, they learn pretty quickly that there's a lot of logistics that they have to figure out how they're going to handle. And then if they can figure that out, why not? You know, why can't you have ice cream every day? But there are things like um, where kids have said, well, I want to get rid of our justice system. You know, we have it. Mm-hmm. It's called Civics Board. And I want to just get rid of it completely and because they find it boring and they don't enjoy it. And so what I love is listening to all of the other students mull this over and say, like, yeah, I get it. It's boring. But mm-hmm. here's the problem. And mm-hmm. what would we replace it with? And, you know, and, they, and it's not just staff kind of holding the line the the kids are just as logical and thinking through a lot of that as we are and because it's it's really we're not going to just dismiss it and say no 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 we can't do that um because they know like it matters like you really can get right. one of these hairbrained motions passed but you have to actually have a really good reason for it and you have to have people who buy into that we've even ha- we've had kids who Tried to rally their friends. They have some motion, like there was one where the um, there was a kid who wanted the school to pay for pizza for himself for lunch, and so it wasn't like a school event. He just, but he, but he got like three of his friends or four, whatever. He got a he got a few of his friends to come enough to overwhelm, like however many people were there, mm-hmm. to come to try to vote on this "give me money for pizza" motion, and then once the discussion process was going. The friends that he had brought was like, yeah, this isn't a good idea, (laughs) you know. And and so, so you know, because they were all like thinking individually and and were like, oh, you know, I thought I was just going to come vote so that we could have some pizza today, but actually, that money, you know, we can't just raid the school's funds for our own personal benefit, and you know. So that's what the reality is. That there's a there's a lot of structure in place. There's a lot of discussion in place for that kind of thing to not happen.
0: It, it's quite clever. Brilliant might be a better word to describe it. It's an interesting idea the way you guys have dealt with those sort of crimes of passion, you know, where suddenly somebody does announce the ice cream and everybody goes, yeah, or I think it was George Washington right. called it the violence of faction or something when the masses get right. together and you're know, all run for toilet paper. Uh, I'd like it can, can you, in these times. Can, can you tell yeah. me, I'd like it, if you could describe like what's a typical day? I don't know. Let's say I'm a third grader and I walk in and it mm-hmm. actually, it sounds like grade isn't so important anyways, but if I walk in, like right. what's my day look like?
1: Well, first of all, our schedule is flexible. So our school is open from 830 to 430. And then um, as long as students are on campus for five hours a day, and they are there by 11 they can come and pick be picked up at any time.
0: Wow, so right.
1: there's not like a we start at 8:35 and you have to be here before the bell. It's completely flexible. So so you know it, that kind of a lot of that depends on the family schedule. Maybe you show up around 9 9:30 find your friends who are there. Um we have different spaces, different rooms with different kinds of activities. So, um, generally kids start to learn, like, what are some things that I enjoy doing? And so we've got, you know, Legos and art and imaginary play and, um, science and board games in, in one large room. And we have another room that's like a maker space and a, um, computer and gaming space. And we have our outside, we have our library and kitchen, and so some kids, they uh, there's some kids who are very uh, plan oriented, and they already know today I'm going to be baking cupcakes, and I have my mm-hmm. ingredients, and I know what I'm doing. And there's there's a lot of them who are much more, I'm going to see what the day presents kind of people. So and, and is it that okay to have that yeah, mix of ahead.
0: kids? Like, is that for the kid that is a little less structured? You know, as a mm-hmm. teacher, you know you have certain kids that just totally can live run with this sort of stuff, and then you have some that might seem chaotic for them. Do you see those issues, yeah. or does it kind of work itself out? Well,
1: they what I see is that kids start to create their own structure, and their own sort of routine to the day, no matter what, mm-hmm. where their personality lies. That. Um, And some of them are a lot more social oriented. So they're seeing what are my friends doing? What kind of plans can I make with my friends today? And then so they maybe have a little bit more open thought like plan. And then some who are just like, I'm going to do this. And if people want to join me, they can or not. And um, I see that as a really it's it's our school is very much like a microcosm of the world of real life. So you have. So it's not just like kids. It's. A variety yeah, of kids like exactly. any school might have, okay there yeah, there's this misconception that our school only works for self-directed kids. Right. But our position is that every person has the ability to be self-directed. And so we're giving them the space to grow that muscle, you know, to work on that ability. and um and some kids, yeah, come in with a lot more of a focused determination that they've already brought with them, and there's some kids who still need to to work on that. and and it looks different for everybody.
0: What about the teacher? So what what kind of person makes an effective teacher at a school like this? Yeah. Or is there not one person? Maybe a variety is what you need anyway. I don't know. What do you think?
1: So we, first of all, I I do want to let you know, we don't use the word teacher um, at our school. And oh, okay. the reason is because the that word teacher has baked into it the word teach, right? And so you think well, my job is to teach, to do something active towards this child. I need to create a project. I need to do some sort of lesson. Um, we believe that a teacher can be anybody or anything, you know, it can be, your friend can be your teacher or a Mm -hmm. particular difficult problem can be a teacher, but really, and just because you're an adult doesn't mean you are a teacher. Some. Sometimes you're an adult and you're a learner, you're a peer, you're a co-creator. So really our staff, we think of ourselves more, that's what we call ourselves as staff because it's really a very neutral word and it, because we are co-creators of the community. So a good staff person is someone who, first of all, is self-directed themselves. It's a value that um, that they embody. And it's also, they are people who are, um, who respect children, who really hold the belief that kids have these basic human rights and that they deserve them and that, that they can, we honor that. Um, and then, you know, generally they're people who have different, a, a variety of interests and have the ability to explain those interests if they're asked for. So we do have kids who sometimes say, I want to learn programming. And so we have one of our staff members who is a programmer in mm-hmm. his like, you know, other life and can oh, teach yeah. how to do that.
0: We so have a variety um, of skill sets kind of waiting there to be used. We,
1: right. But we but the thing is is because learning, because the whole world is, you know, you don't have to have only the five or six core subject areas there's so much to learn about. We don't necessarily say, you know, we really need a music person. We really we don't necessarily do that. I would say if we had a staff member apply who had the exact same skills and interests as one of our current staff, then that might be a disadvantage, but it's not necessarily like we're trying to fill this because if someone says I want to learn Japanese, we don't have to have a staff person who knows Japanese. There's a lot of different source Ways of learning Japanese out sure. there. So, sure. Makes but, sense. but yeah, generally there's a variety of skills. And uh, we have found that it's harder for people who come from a traditional, con- like conventional school background or who have been teachers or have been trained as teachers. It's a little harder for them to be at our school.
0: But I can imagine that
1: doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean that they can't be. Like, I have that background myself. But, um, it, so, it's so there's something hope. they relearn. There's hope. there's
0: hope for us all. I want to, I want to ask you about, uh, where this whole idea came from. So you're, you're a core founder. I can just imagine you mm-hmm. sitting in Starbucks one day, having a nice uh, latte and talking to a friend. <laughs> and one of you said, Hey, we should form a democratic school. Was it, was it something oh, like that? I mean, how, where did this whole origin come from? Cause it's a pretty unique idea.
1: Yeah. Well, I, um, I know, and I really thought it was my idea, but, um, it came, for me i learned about uh democratic schools uh when i was getting my master's degree a long time ago and it was i learned about summerhill school and it just i read an essay and it just turned something on that never went away so i would i would teach i was in a private prep school i would teach and then i would just keep it would just start questioning and picking at me and so over the course of years my paradigm completely shifted. I had the opportunity to visit Summerhill School and for me that was the op- that was the time where I said this is what I want to do with my life. Um, and and that I am an action oriented person that you know I act first and think about it later. It's sometimes mm. to my detriment. But <laughs> when we moved to Southern California, there wasn't a school like it around. I started having my own family uh, I was thinking about my own career. What did I want? And I said, I'm just going to start school. I thought, uh, I thought that I had thought of this model. I knew about the Democratic School in England, Summerhill. But what I really wanted to expand, um, there's nuances we don't need to get into. But I wanted to sort of expand that model a little bit and really think about like world schooling and life learning and all of these things. And it turns out that Sudbury Valley School has been doing it for 50 years. So when I discovered them, I said, this, mm-hmm. is, this is exactly what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. And then I, I put up a website and um, nobody in my personal community was interested. So I wish that I had that person at Starbucks that wanted to start, oh, right. you know.
0: Well, we're so conservative about how we educate our kids because we're always afraid it's yes. the wrong move, I guess.
1: Yes. There's a lot of fear in education mm. and a lot of fear in child raising. And, and that's what we're trying to offer an alternative to, you know, an alternative to fear is trust. And that's what our model is based on is it's a trust-based model, trust that children have this innate desire to grow and challenge themselves, that they have the ability to learn things when they're ready for them. And all, and, and it's scary. Trust is really scary. It's really hard. And um, but that's what. We see that borne out time and again that they really can be trusted with their own lives and education.
0: How is all that trust going? I guess I'm asking how is this? You have two campuses now. Are you finding that there's a big call for this, or is this still a smaller market of people? Or do you expect to have 15 schools in the next 15 years?
1: Well, it's still a smaller market, um, and it, we're still kind of fringe, but I do see this movement growing at a rapid rate comparatively. The last five years, new schools like ours have opened, have opened much, much faster than they have in the, you know, five decades before that. So, Mm um, and what's interesting now, this isn't necessarily our local market, but like France, for example, five years ago had zero schools like ours. And I think they have 40 now they have. So like, it's been an explosion, of schools similar to ours. Now you're going to have to fact check me. I might might be off on that, but I think it's 39 a and lot. a half. Yeah.
0: Okay. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I just googled it.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, perfect. So, the uh, the there is a movement here. We are seeing personally, you know, our so our campus, we have 20 uh, let me think. 27 kids, 27, 28. We just enrolled someone and I think we went I think we might be at 28 now. But we are um, so we are small and uh, but we started at nine kids mm-hmm. so so it's growing you know every every semester we're getting another um thirty to forty sure. percent
0: bigger that's um, that, yeah. We,
1: yeah, we started the second campus because um we had people from Riverside County, which is a neighboring county looking at us to maybe drive in and because we had some staff and board members who lived out there, um, and they wanted some place for their own children. So they were willing to kind of put, do the work and, and put that in. We're still kind of that. This is, it's in our first, it's in the first year for that second campus. Mm-hmm. We're still seeing if the market is there in that area. Um, it's we're kind of unsure right now, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, it, it, what's amazing is, I don't know if anybody knows, you know, Southern California, Orange County is historically a very conservative area. Sure, yeah. And um, what I find is that doesn't matter. Like it, it really, this model is not politically tied at all. It, it's all about, do you respect children or not? And you can be from any background, any stripes, you know, and, and respect kids. And you can be from any background and not.
0: So when you're doing Um, the voting that you mentioned, you know, the democratic process, there's not political parties, it sounds like.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. We so have, that could we happen
0: if it not. gets larger it and you could. have older kids, right? It's, yeah, you, as humans, we just know, tend to coalesce right. like that. We tend to <laughs> caucus and group up.
1: Yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? So Cassie, so, we're coming
0: towards the end of our time here. I want to ask you a, a mm-hmm. final question. Um, it, it was about parents. If I'm a parent and I'm listening to this and I'm wondering, is this the right place for me? What kind of parent, mm. can you describe the parent who would find open school the right place for them?
1: Yeah. So, and I would say that matching parents' values is, is almost more important than matching whether or not the child's personality fits. Um, so let, I mean, I've said this so many times, but parents who trust, who trust their kids, or at least they want to, um, parents who believe in, um, in free choice and human rights for all people, regardless of age. and and yeah, I think parents, like generally, the way that you parent, way that our parents treat their children are already on the like positive parenting kind of um, support for their kids' emotions and interests, and they're more holistic parents already. Um, I think that those are those are things that definitely uh, are important. I mean, and the other thing is like we really test your commitment to, freedom so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know we like during the admissions process i say this is what this means means that we don't put limits on screen time we don't put limits on you know weapon play um we don't put limits on freedom of speech there's all of these things you have you have to like kind of be brave as a parent to um to go for something like this but but our parents are amazing and i and i find new ones all the time who who can do this
0: Well, Cassie, thanks so much for your time today Mm -hmm. and sharing all this information about open school. And I'm afraid this might sound cheesy, but you've got my vote.
1: Oh, well, (laughs) thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com.